Blog Talk Radio. I'm Raina Star, so you don't have to be. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This would not be the show for you. But you know that's why you tune in, because you'll love me. Anyway, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one, the phenomenal Dorothy Morrison. Please check out wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. Please also remember that she is still doing her 2024 home blessing balls, and you know what your Auntie Raina always tells you, buy your balls in pairs. It's just fair. Also, Dorothy still has plenty of those mystery packages, but go ahead and reserve a nice big one for yourself before the end of the year. Just saying. WickedWitchStudios.com. Tell Dorothy that your Auntie Raina sent you. All right. Oh, am I happy to see this woman? You have no idea. I have been waiting to have you on the air. Please, everybody, welcome the amazing Teresa Reed. Hello. Hi, Rena. I have been looking forward to talking with you. Oh, not as much as I have. Oh, my God. And here I thought, okay, so normally what happens is the person who's um, – publisher it is normally tells them okay you know you got to check in with Raina a week before you go on with her and I did not hear anything and I'm like you know what she she will not disappoint me I just know she won't I just knew it I rarely you are the one yeah, I rarely goof it up <laughs> oh my no not not you I wasn't putting that one on you at all I thought maybe your person hadn't gotten back with you and that's why I hadn't heard from you but I am so excited that you are here. All right, so folks who don't know, Teresa Reed is known as the Tarot Lady, and this lady has written a slew of books, slew, and a tarot coloring book, and all kinds of other things. Teresa, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for showing up. It is such an honor to have you on. I'm just glad that we are able to do this today. Thank you so much for having me as a guest, Raina. Oh, absolutely. It's my absolute delight. And you were recently in the company of someone I've known since I was 18 years old, if you can believe it, because I'm in my 60s now. But Ruthann Amberstone is a mutual friend of ours. I I love Ruthann and Wald. Ruthann and Wald, I mean, they are like mentors. They are like, I think, the godparents of... Carol, I I just love and adore them. So yes, I was I was in New York recently for my book tour, and I will not go to New York without seeing the Amberstones. And just giving Ruthann a big old hug is one of the best things in the world. I know, and I am so jealous. I have not seen her in so many years. I met her when I was just leaving my teens, and she was always the most generous of heart and spirit. And would read 
for me all the time. Uh, this is obviously way before the Reader Studio started, many years before that. But she was always phenomenal, um, and her readings have always been on point. She is a most wonderful person, and the reason why I started reading Carol was because of her. So, yeah, it's well, she, a little bit of shared history, which I love. Yeah, I think she's the reader's reader because she did a reading for me a couple of years ago when I was dealing with this big foot issue, and everything she mm-hmm. said, bam, 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 was right on. She is amazing and very psychic. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. So my husband had an accident going on. It's going to be two years in February, and... Boy, she was one of the first people who reached out. Never forget mm-hmm. the friend is always present, even though I live in the South now. Um, it was just such a blessing to hear from her. And, of course, she was so encouraging. And, you know, it's that kind of friendship that you have for years and years and years, even if you don't speak all the time. Um, it just It's just still there, and that support and care is still there. And I've never had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Walls, but, I, I think the world of her choices, so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm sure he is perfection, um, as she is. So that is just fantastic that you got to see them. Yeah, I'm really glad I was able to make that happen. And, you know, Rosanne just had a, a knee surgery, too. So wrangling my stay in New York and making sure that I was uh, – she had just had the surgery. You know, it required a little bit of uh, fancy footwork, part of the pun, but – we made it work, and uh, I hope to go to New York next year and see them again. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. The next time I go up, I'd like to stop and see her as well. Unfortunately, when I was there a few months ago, it was because of a death in the or At the time that I went up, the person had not passed yet, but I've had so many situations come up that relate to your book, The Cards You're Dealt, Mm-hmm. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. This is you are. This is like this has been booked for several months. But in August, my my beloved aunt got very sick and passed away. And this book um, has been quite the help for me and how I deal with her passing and how I have dealt with other situations since. For example, last night I was. I had the pleasure of talking with uh, Dorothy Morrison, and as it turns out, after my aunt passed away, she left a whole lot of information behind about people in the family, stuff I did not know. Um, So I kind of magically have discovered that I have a half-brother and a sister, which blew my mind. Wow. Um, I know. So I got on Ancestry.com a few weeks ago, and... I got my notification on this past Friday. Oh, your matches are in. Take a look. I opened up the matches. No brother, but I found my sister. (laughs) Oh, man. It has been a mind blower. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, You know, I have a loved one that went through the same thing where they discovered Mm. that they have two half-siblings that – this was not talked about, and that was a very and, and they discovered that also through one of these ancestor type things. The secrets the parents yeah. hold sometimes, right? <laughs> well, I think maybe you know I'm 62, so my mother obviously in her 80s, um, 
you know, I think generationally that was a time where there were so many taboos that you wouldn't dare break, like getting pregnant at 17, which my mother did, Um, you know, having an illicit romance, uh, which resulted in my sister, we thought, we thought, but that actually wound up not being the case. She's actually full blood. So it's amazing to me the decisions that were made by the generation before me and what they thought was acceptable to take to their grave. It's been a real eye-opener for me. Have you had that same experience? Oh, yeah, there's secrets. In fact, we know that there are secrets that my parents took to the grave. We haven't been able to find out what that secret is. Uh, you know, I know my parents, my dad mentioned something about a big secret, but we also found, like, old clippings, and we learned that my mother, for a time, lived with a man before my dad and pretend that they were married. Because, again, back in the day, no. that was a very simple thing to live with somebody. So all of a sudden we yeah. saw an obituary for her father, and her name wasn't listed. Instead, there was a Mrs. So-and-so, and we're like, well, who the heck is that? And that's when we found right. out about that situation. I mean, I don't know what their other secret is because they were really good at keeping it. Let's put it that way. So we, mm-hmm. we have a mystery there somewhere, but... We don't know what that mystery is. That's fa- See, and this is all really fascinating to me because everybody thinks it's just their family that's crazy, um, and parts of my family are not, oh, <laughs> so crazy. No, literally not. Uh, like my father, for example. Yep. Um, yep. As a matter of fact, uh, one of our cousins actually had said to my sister, be glad you didn't get stuck in that situation. That was not a good thing. So you actually, you escaped. So be, be glad you escaped. And it's quite true. Um, you just don't know when, you know, and I feel for an adopted child because I remember the lack of my sibling. Knowing that I had a sibling, only one at the time, most of my, I mean, I just found out about a half-brother three and a half weeks ago. So this was all news. Wow. Um, so it's, it has been super, duper strange. But, again, the cards you're dealt, this talks a lot about handling situations and using tarot as a tool to assist these difficult situations and these transitional times. So I was just like, oh, thank the God for Teresa. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. It's a it's a it's a right place at the right time. Thank you for being there when I need you, even though you didn't know it. Um, Teresa, for the folks who don't know about you, can can you describe your your a little bit of your your start, your origin, as it were? Sure. Um, you know, I I've been uh, reading Carol for quite a long time. I'm almost sixty. I'm like right right there. I got about a year year and a half to go, and I hit the big six zero. So I started getting into tarot uh, about 45 years ago. I was 15. And, you know, I grew up in kind of a weird household. It was very dysfunctional, but it was very mystical and spiritual. My mother was psychic. My grandmother was psychic. My other grandmother was superstitious and super religious. You know, so I grew up with all of that stuff. And I remember also reading the National Enquirer and going over those ads for Gavin and Yvonne Frost's magic power of witchcraft when I was a little yes. girl and being, you remember those? Yes, 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 <laughs> I, yes, yes, 
I was obsessed with those ads. And I remember thinking, I just got to get the money to get this book so I can make that money magnet they're talking about. So, I mean, these kinds of things were in the backdrop. Yeah, and so for when I was 15, I was uh, introduced to astrology by a girlfriend's mother. And so I started with astrology first, and I, I was became obsessed instantly because it made sense to me. And on one of the rare occasions when we went to the mall, I went to the bookstore, of course, because that's what nerdy chicks do. Uh, we don't go for Hello. clothes shopping. We're always about the bookstore and the record store, when they called it records back then. And I saw Correct. a tarot deck, and I thought... I need this thing. I, I don't know why. It, it just caught my eye, and I'd seen them in the movies, and I thought, I'm getting this. And I took it home, and mm. I became fascinated. And so I've had a tarot deck and an ephemeris, one in each hand, since that time. And that's been over 40 years. I mean, a long time. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, you know, my first tarot deck came from Walden Books. Yeah, Walden Books is where I got my first one. (laughs) They don't exist anymore. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, when I say Walden Books to a young person, they look at me like I have three eyes or something. I mean, I have a third eye, but you know what Uh I mean? They just, they're like, what are you talking about? They know Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and the internet, but I'm like, oh no, Walden Books was a thing. And we used to have a thing called Peaches Record, records here. We used to go get our records at Peaches. Uh, but, you know, when you mention that, yep. if you're not in our age group, nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. Okay. So back in the day, there were these vinyl things called records. And we used yes. to have places called Crazy Yetis, and we had yep. uh, Tower Records, and we had all these places where you would go. And I will tell you that a record, a vinyl record, was almost size of a laptop. Am I right? Back me yep. up, Teresa. See? They were okay. big. And they were big, and we used to fold them in. They, were, they would come, if you were lucky enough, if you were a stoner, you'd have a record that opened in the middle. So it was like it would butterfly open, and you would shake your dope in there and get the seeds out. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. But I remember stuff like, you know, the Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Great album. Also great for cleaning your drugs. I'm just saying. It's a long <laughs> time ago when Scott was cleaner. But seriously, now, I mean, but these kids don't know. I mean, you have no idea how many people I talk to that have written books and, and done all the great things, but they don't remember a time before the Internet. And I'm like, <laughs> let me tell you about before... those ways when everything was by book. <laughs> everything was a challenge. You know, it's really, I, I'm really grateful for the internet because it's made life more accessible and it's made it easier sure. for folks to get their hands on tarot or astrology. It used to be so hard. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, getting records back in the day, if we go back to talking about that, yeah. I was like an old school yep. punk rocker before it was cool. And so I would go to the record Girl. store and they never had those records. They never had those records in stock. And I would tell the guy, listen, I want to order this thing. I saw it in Cream Magazine. I want to get the Sex Pistols. This guy would look at me. I was 13, and he was like, he's like, are you sure you want this kid? And I'm like, yes. And so I had to special Uh order them, and it would take time to get it in, and then I would go in and pick it up and, you know, save up for it. 
And now you can just go on the Internet. You can download the songs you want. You don't have to get the whole album. You don't have to search. It's easy to find anything you want. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming, but also, wow, how cool is that? No, it's so true. So never mind the bollocks. The Sex Pistols' yes. first album, loved it. Uh, Anarchy yep. in the UK, girl, you can't get past me with any of this. I was so into it, <laughs> but I, but being a New Yorker, I had the luxury of having, and I, yep. we could go into the village and get the good shit because they were sewing it away in the more avant-garde areas. It's not like you could go to Alexander's department store and pick up a copy of the Sex Pistols. Now, if you were looking for Judy Collins, Barbara Streisand, uh, Brazil 66, stuff of that nature, you could find that all day long. But we had to go to special places to find shit. Just like back in the day, to get magical tools, we had to go to places like Enchantment. We did not have access in our neighborhoods like we do now. We certainly didn't have places online that delivered so quickly. Like Teresa said earlier, you would look at ads in the back of Cream Magazine or the Village Voice, and you would see these ads for magical teachings, uh, the Farage, the Frost. There are a bunch of different people, but still not that many. I mean, there was like a handful, and they were in every magazine, and, you know, you basically knew you had to – I think we had to have like $300 at the time for an entire year's course. Well, we didn't have money like that back then, not as kids. Yep. Um, so, that, so the idea now that, that things are so accessible is really wonderful. But, Teresa, i got to ask you, and I apologize that we're off topic, but talking to you is so fun um, because you get what I'm saying, and I love that. Um, do you feel like because there's so much accessibility that we're getting also a lot of bad information. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, well, here's the thing. You know, like I mentioned, I am an old-school punk rocker, and, you know, there is something special about how hard we had to work to get that stuff back in the day. Uh, By the way, uh, when Mm -hmm. I think of New York back in the day, I used to go to Magical Child, which was, I'm going to jog your memory, that was another place I loved. In the Absolutely. 80s, I lived in New York for a short, brief time. Loved that place. Uncle, Uncle Slater. But he got it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. He, he was all crabby with me, by the way. But, you know, it, it was, um, you know, back in the day, you had to go and you had to really work and you had to have a hunger and a thirst for it. And so there's something about that that made it really special. And one of the things that I found is, you know, that a lot of people want things to go and water it down. They wanted to go, quote, unquote, mainstream. And that happened with punk rock. Punk rock was one time very rebellious, very edgy, and it still has an edge. But suddenly you can go into, like, Hot Topic and you can buy the clothes. Well, we used to make it ourselves. You know, and I'm not dissing young people. So Yeah, I love young people, but (laughs) what I'm talking about is the corporations then came in and they made it mainstream and they really watered down the original rebellion and witchcraft and tarot and astrology have also been very they've been forms of rebellion and mary greer says tarot is an outlaw profession she's right but with the internet what's happened is because it is so much out there there is a lot of disinformation but it also has to some degree some some folks have tried to water it down and make it mainstream 
And I don't think those mm-hmm. folks are ever going to totally succeed. But, you know, they've done it enough where it's like, oh, why are you trying to take the danger out of this? Why are you trying to take the excitement out, the, the sacredness out of it? So I do have an issue with that. And, yes, there is disinformation out there. I mean, every once in a while I'll see mm-hmm. somebody. Here's an example. There was some, I think, astrologer who was interviewed. I don't remember for what. It was like a magazine or, or a newspaper. And this is someone who was, like, Internet popular. And so the uh-huh. interviewers interviewing them about different astrology things. But at the end of the astrology, or at the end of the interview, they asked them about an ephemeris. And the astrologer didn't know what an ephemeris was. And I almost had a heart attack. I mean, Stop. how do you Stop. say you're an astrologer and you do not know how, what an ephemeris is? But see, this is where the problem is. The problem is not only are things made mainstream and watered down, but you have instant experts, people who will take a six-week course, and they think suddenly – you know, I am a tarot or astrology expert. When this stuff takes a lifetime to master, that's a, I have a problem oh, with that. I know. I'm not. I don't think it's right. It, people. I mean, I agree with you. It does get watered down, and there is a lot of insta witch shit that happens, and insta astrologer. And it's like I have friends. I mean, as you do, um, the Amberstone. It has been a life's work. This is not something you just get overnight or in a six-week course. This is, this is something that people have studied for years and years and continue to learn. It's just disheartening sometimes. Not that I don't want everyone to have access. I do. I want everyone to have access because like you, you probably remember the days when people would hear astrologer or witch and they'd freak. And, you know, run after you with holy water if they had it. But we, yep, we I remember that to totally. Mainstream. See? And, but, and we always wanted to be regarded as regular folks like everybody else. We got bills and shit like everyone. We're just, we just have a different belief system, as so many people do. But, you know, the persecution part of it, yeah, we wanted, and this is the thing that bothers me about gatekeeping. Gatekeeping has no place in witchcraft because anything that doesn't grow dies. Everything should grow. Everything should evolve. But when you don't even recognize what it is anymore, it may be a little too far gone. What do you think? I agree. I don't like gatekeeping at all. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I think everything, again, yep. should be accessible. However, it should also come yep. with reverence. I mean, you can say, hey, here yep. is, here's all the things you need to know about tarot, but you also need to do the study. You need to do the work. You know, one of the reasons why I wrote The Cards Are Dealt, you know, first of all, I wanted to write a book like that for a long time to help people deal with, like, grief and loss. But also there's a lot of information in there for professional readers because a lot of people will learn how to read the cards and what they mean. But if you don't know how to deal with really sensitive topics and how to deliver information in a helpful way, you may be well-intentioned, but you could do a lot of harm. So there's a lot of professional advice in that book for readers because once you start sitting at the tarot table as a pro, it's very different than reading from your friends or reading for your friends. Suddenly you're going to have people with real-life issues, not just someone asking about some cute guy they got a crush on. Now it's going to get some 
serious stuff, and you've got to be ready for that. And a six-week course or one book cannot just prepare you for that. You've got to have experience, and you've got to find the knowledge for that because going pro is a whole other kettle of fish than doing this as a hobby. And so, I mean, I take tarot very seriously. I take astrology seriously. It's my life's work, just like the Amber Stones. And, I mean, I... I don't want to treat it like it's a joke or or anything like that. Again, I want it accessible. I don't want people feeling like, oh, I can't get that information. I'm not, you know, I, I don't have access. I don't want that. But at the same time, I don't want it out there in a way where it's being used irresponsibly. Oh, you are not even kidding. i got to tell you this story real quick. I haven't read professionally in years. I got burnt out. I got burnt. I had things that were not cool happen to me. And I'm going to tell you about one of them right now, and the folks at home have heard me say this before. I once had a friend, married couple actually, and she had me read for her in front of her husband, and I did not want to do this, but she really insisted. And then she had me read for him separately, and she walked away. Turned out she was having an affair, and she was using me to tell him. Oh, God. I've had that happen, too. Yeah. See? What the hell? Oh, cool. I mean, what did you do in that? Totally, How totally you messed that up. situation? Yep, yep, yep. Well, all you, you can do is, you know... I, I didn't handle it well. I mean, I had this guy bring some woman in. It was really uncomfortable. I delivered a really kind reading. And then she left the room and he said, you know, that basically he's sleeping with someone else and he he wants to make sure that she gets the hint from that reading I just gave her. And I'm like, I, I mean, I didn't even know what to say. I, I was very young in my career at that time. I was in shock. I mean, really, I probably mm-hmm. said, well, I, I, why don't you just, I don't even remember anymore. It was so long ago. But it was a, a shocking yeah. thing. And I've actually had that happen more than once, where people try to put me in the middle of weird situations. Um, or I've had this happen, too, where someone's having an affair, and then they want you to read the cards in front of their partner and lie for them so the partner believes that they're being faithful. I've had that, too. <gasps> Oh, no, 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 no. Why do people no, do no, that? No. I mean, that you know, I don't read for the public shit. anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't read for the public I mean, anymore because, you know, like you, I don't like being in those kinds of situations. I just, mm-mm, not interested. Yeah, it was, it was really horrifying because I was close with him. I was close with her. I worked with her and didn't know about the affair until I read the cards. And I'm like, and I, I just had this weird feeling. They had me over for dinner, and she's like, did you bring your cards? I'm like, well, yeah, of course, you told me to. And she's like, great. And I, I looked at her, I was like, you know that I'm going to have to say whatever I see, right? She's like, oh, of course, of course. You know, I, I don't expect you to lie. I was like, well, okay, that's cool. I'm just, you know. They had a bit of an odd relationship, so I wasn't sure if I was going to see something about him, actually, which is what I thought I might see. Uh, but no. Mm-hmm. And, after, and after the reading, I looked at her and I said, you betrayed me. You knew that was going to happen. 
You knew. You knew I was mm-hmm. going to see it. You didn't give me any warning. You didn't give me any chance to prep. You didn't even give me a chance to think about it. And it really messed up our relationship. I was like, you know what? You really took advantage. This was so not cool. Uh, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And then you get the client. I mean, but also you get the clients who are like, they won't wipe their ass unless you tell them it's okay. And I'm like, listen, you got to go live your life. I can't do this with you every single day. And she's like, but I'm paying you. I'm like, no, I don't want your money. This is not your, this is not your life. You have to live your mm-hmm. life. What yeah, do you do yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I, again, I stopped reading for the public uh, almost four years ago now, so I, I don't do that oh, any okay. longer. But what yeah, I would yeah. do when I had somebody, if I sensed that they maybe might be using tarot as a crutch or getting addictive, I, I set limits. Uh-huh. I'm like, you only need a reading once a year. I said, nobody needs a reading this much. And that usually yeah. would solve the problem. Of course, they probably went off and saw somebody else who would entertain those uh, notions, but I, I didn't like that. I don't. The only time I would, like, bend the rule is if there's somebody, I mean, really most of us don't need a reading more than once or twice a year, but sometimes someone's going through something and they just need a little hand-holding. That's one thing. But if you're coming in every week to ask if he's going to come back or just spy on your ass, yeah. I'm not interested. Not interested. Yeah. That's not healthy. Not healthy and it's aggravating. And my tarot cards get, my tarot cards get snappy about those types of readings. Mm-hmm. They start getting like real bitchy. Oh yeah, I, I, listen, I'll be straight up with you. I once I was bugging the shit out of Ruthanne because I was in a situation. She knew the she she knows all the parties involved. I and she did a reading, and the reading happened the way it happened. And then I was pestering her. God love her. She's always been so good to me. I pestered her again like a couple of days later. She did the reading again. Same exact reading, same cards, same positions. And at that point, she's like, wait a second. Let's do this one more time. So we did it again. Same. She's like, listen, the answers you got are the answers you're getting, and that's it. Nothing is changing. This reading is happening wow. the way it's happening for a reason. Yeah, three times in a row. It was freaky as hell. But she's like, you need to just shut up and listen to this. And she was so right. Um, I was not catching yeah. the hint about this relationship. And, you know, I think part of the problem is that folks, some folks tend to think that when you're reading tarot, the reader is actually controlling the action. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a problem because folks are looking at the reader as the person who is changing their fate. That's how this works. Mm -mm. (laughs) Which is why why I think people mix up astrology and tarot and witchcraft so much. These things are not all the same. And they're not necessarily practiced by, like, everyone who practices witchcraft does not do astrology or tarot. And everybody who does tarot isn't necessarily a witch or an astrologer, so on and so forth. And I think this is where the confusion comes in for people. Can you please, 
for my younger folks who are listening, explain the difference to them so that they get it. Well, you know, <laughs> I think that you've actually explained it really well. I, I, there's misconceptions that, you know, if you identify with one of these things, that suddenly you're an expert in all things of the occult. Now, for example, I am a tarot reader. I'm an astrologer. I know both of them very, very well. As far as witch stuff is concerned, I am one of those people. I always say I'm nice to all the gods just in case. I am not, like, yep. committed to one thing there. This I also am one of those people. I don't like commitments when it comes to my relationship with romance, even though I've been married 30 years. But I also don't like feeling a commitment when it comes to my spiritual life. So I... Uh, people will assume, like, oh, my God, you must be some big-time witch. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't do the Sabbath. I don't do any of that. I am more like, you know, I'll fiddle around with magic and when I need it, but I don't have any kind of structure and I don't belong to any kind of a pagan organization. So you can't really assume. Um, you can't assume that every witch is going to be, you know, psychic. You can't, I mean, none of that. And these assumptions, unfortunately, come because, again, our media um, portrays people in these lights. And so I don't blame folks for thinking that. I, You know, sometimes if I'm at a party too, people go, oh, you're a tarot reader? And they'll hold up their palm to me. I'm like, I'm not a palm reader. I'm a tarot reader. I'm a tarot reader. I'm an astrologer. I'm not a palmist. I know a little about the palmistry, but I'm not a palmist. Or if somebody will right. ask me, you know, something about Akashic records, I'm like, I don't know about that. That's not my thing. Don't assume that that is my thing. Same like, same like even with tarot. There's so many, there's so many misconceptions. Everybody assumes like not all tarot readers are psychic. Not all tarot readers are witches. Some of us. I don't work with Kabbalah. If you ask me about the Kabbalah and tarot, I'm going to stare at you, stare at you like a deer in a headlight. That's Rachel Pollock's territory, not mine. So, you got to, I think the most important thing for people is to ask questions. Um, don't assume, and that way you're going to get a more accurate portrayal of what that person's interest is, what their skill levels are in, um, you know, how they define themselves, and just realize we are all very, very, very different. I love that you said that, and the reason I love that you said that is because I have listeners who are not necessarily witches. They are craft adjacent, they are pagan friendly, and I want them to understand that you do not have to be any kind of pagan or witch to read tarot. I'm so glad you are saying yes. that because I want folks to understand that, and I think that also gets lost in translation, don't you think? Yeah, well, and people also have to understand, too, you don't have to be psychic to read tarot. You don't have to be a witch to read tarot. Um, and also people right. have to understand within witchcraft, there's so many variations, too. There are people who are very, you know, they have a structure. There are maybe, you know, follow Jared Gardner's thing. Um, there are people who may say, you know, I'm a Dianic witch or or they're, I'm, I'm a pagan, I'm earth witching. There's people who are ceremonial magicians. There are people who work with angelic forces. Uh, there's chaos magic. I mean, there is so many, many, many different types of witchcraft out there. And then there's people like me. Uh, it's like I, my husband says I'm, I'm witchy as hell. But, you know, I'm like, I have, an, I, I have a really good connection with my magic. And my magic is just the way uh-huh. I do it. It's very individual to me. 
And again, I'm not totally committed to anything. You know, I just, I like what I like and I know what works for me. So you don't have to commit to one thing. You don't have to go through some ceremony or initiation. But if that's something that you want, then by all means, search and find the right teachers, the right witches, pagans, santeros, or whoever you want to work with. And learn and learn and learn. And then if you want to commit, really get in, go all the way. Find what works for you. It's different for all of us. It really, oh, I'm so glad you're saying all that. It's so true. It is different from all of us, for all of us. And I want folks who are not witchy inclined but are curious about cards to be encouraged that anyone can can read. Anything you study, anything is accessible to you if you're willing to put in some time to get to know it. And I love the fact that you are not necessarily um, a, let's see, well, I'm Gardnerian, so I can say this. I'm glad you're not a, you know what I mean, like a standard everyday witch. You're just doing your thing, and you're great at it, and it's wonderful. And I want folks to be encouraged that they don't have to belong to any certain kind of a group to be able to experience how amazing tarot is. So I, I love that, and I love the fact that you're not, you can't be pigeonholed into something because, you know, you practice the way you practice. It's an individual thing, and I have absolute respect for that. I love that. Well, I think it's important for people to realize we are individuals, and some people love the group thing. I mean, my sister loves to go to church, for example. We grew up Catholic. She's still into that. Yeah. And I was, as a child at four years old, I staged a rebellion. I hated church. I'm like, I don't want to go to church anymore. Uh, This is boring. Everyone sounds like a robot. And I was four years old. I pitched a little fit. I did not want to go. And, of course, I got in big trouble for that. But at four years old, I made the vow that I am not going to go to church as soon as I'm 18. I knew that 18 was a magic number then. I was very, by the way, I was a very precocious child. And as soon as I hit 18, I stopped going to church. I made that vow come true. My parents were very disappointed. But one of the things that I found about myself, I'm very individualistic. I'm very much a lone wolf. I run with a pack from time to time. But I don't do well in group situations or in anything that feels organized. Uh, It might be because I'm a Gemini or, I mean, who knows? Uh I I just got a rebellious spirit. And I prefer to do my own thing. And, you know, my husband laughs because I'm super independent and I had a lot of problems with relationships in the past because of that. Dudes I dated in the past that I was involved with, they hated my independence. And I'm like, I'm I'm a nonconformist. I I cannot stay put. I'm a free spirit. The only reason this one has lasted 30 years is because he's totally cool with that. He knows I don't like groups. I don't like organization. I don't like feeling like I'm I'm stuck to one thing. I want to be open to explore whatever the hell I want to explore. But that's me. And, again, if you are into group things, like my sister likes going to church. Her sons are, you know, her sons went through first communion, first uh, this, first that. My kids were brought up with no religion because I'm like, nah, we ain't doing any of that. You can decide if you want that. If that's what you're into, by all means, get into it. Yeah, get into it. And it's so funny because my daughter is very much like me. She's very mystically inclined. She's actually really good at tarot and astrology. She would never admit it. And she loves all the witchy stuff and candles and crystals and spells. And my son is a stoic. My son is, he's like, he understands tarot and astrology. He's fluent. 
Um, he uh-huh. loves playing with my cards when he comes over here. Uh, but he's not uh-huh. anybody that he would never consider himself uh, bound to anything. And he's very much a stoic. And it's so interesting wow. that they have their past. And I love that. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so to mark, to check off all the similarity boxes, I was raised Pentecostal. <gasps> a nightmare. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and my mother, my mother converted to being a Pentecost. My mother was a witch and then changed. Wow. Don't even ask. If you say, yeah, I know. Uh, the, it's the whatever my man does, I will do too situation back from the 50s and 60s where a woman didn't do anything unless her man did it too. Oh, you don't want to know. Anyway, but yeah, so because of that, I had made the decision that when I had children, I was going to let them pick because, quite frankly, religion is a very fucking personal thing, and everyone has the right yep. to pick their own. Pick your own. Do not get jammed into this situation of, well, that's what my parents be-. No, I don't care what your parents believe. What do you believe? What do you want to pursue? What feels right to you? Just because your parents feel a certain way and a certain connection, that doesn't come through the bloodline. You've got to find what gives you peace, what gives you comfort, what gives you happiness, what you can relate to as a person. Please, Teresa, back me up here. Absolutely. And by the way, very interesting thing that you and I have in common. My mother, when she married my father, also, I mean, I don't know what her religion was. Her family's weird. And they were Uh like a farm family with 13 kids. I don't think they had time to mess with any of that. But when she connected with my father, he was big-time Catholic. Suddenly she had to let go Mm -hmm. through confirmation and all that before they got married. So I thought that was interesting. So suddenly she became, quote-unquote, religious. But I think her religion was all like a matter of convenience to be with her dude. But, yes, uh, I think the individual is super important. Also, you know, my background politically, I'm an anarchist, and I've been an anarchist since I've been 14. And anarchy is not about, you know, chaos and burning things down. No, it's about being an individual, no gods, no masters. And so for people who come from my line of thought, I'm always about the individual. You have to figure out what's right for you. Now, what is right for you is going to be right for you and not right for everyone else. That's why when I look at the way this country's going where they're trying to, you know, force women to do this and that. I'm like, well, that ain't going to wash in the long run because people have to be able to make their own decisions and to find what religion, if if any, speaks to them, what philosophy speaks to them, what they want to learn. People need that. I mean, my husband's a Taoist, and, I mean, we are a mixed bag over at this place, believe me. And I love all this stuff that he does. I'm not interested in it. And when he starts talking to Taoist uh-huh. philosophy, my eyes glaze over. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Okay, awesome. Now let me go think about some other nonsense here. <laughs> you know, but I, again, I would never try to, like, make him, like, be a carbon copy of me or my children. We have to honor yeah. everyone's needs. And I love what you said about your children, you know, coming to their own yeah. religion on their own. I, I'm such a big believer in that. I never, ever wanted yeah. to force my children. I mean, the way it was shoved down yeah. my throat when I was a kid, Hello. they were like, it was exactly. like, oh, I hated it. Oh. 
Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there's things about the Catholic you... religion I like. I love the art. I like the sure. ritual, the churches, the incense, the yeah. beauty, the art. Yeah. But I yeah. I don't like having something shoved down my throat, especially when you're making it all forbidden and scary sounding. You tell it to a kid, come on now. Not good. It's, it's meant to intimidate. It's like ruling through fear. And I am so... Yeah. Up, and my father became a pastor, and so did my mother. And the idea of ruling through fear is something that is so abhorrent to me that I refused when my mother was begging me to, oh, well, you have to read the Bible to the children. No, I don't. I don't have to read the Bible to the children. I don't have to take the children to church. I don't have to teach them about Jesus. I don't have to teach them about anything because it is going to be, they will have the benefit that I did not have. I got shoveled into church three and four times a week for hours and hours on end, and it was mind-numbing and the crying and the carrying on and the laying on of hands, which I actually believe in the laying on of hands but not because it's got anything to do with Christianity. I believe when enough people direct enough energy to a thing, things can happen. That's the only part of that I believe. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you can control somebody by telling them what they're supposed to believe makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I resent a lot of my childhood because of that. Well, it's interesting also that you talked about real through, ruling through fear. You know, when I was a little girl, again, I was very precocious. I remember one time we always had to, like, say our prayers in front of mom at night. We had to kneel in front of her and say it with her. And so we were doing it. So for some reason, my mom had to launch into this thing about how you must fear God. And I, I looked at her and I said, well, you're making him sound scary like the boogeyman. And if he's scary, I'm not going to believe in him. Well, of course, I got in big trouble for that, too. But, I mean... Don't tell a kid, don't make a kid should grow up with love, not fear. Children should grow up feeling safe and like their world is safe and that you've got their back and that you're going to go to bat for them. And I'm a firm believer in that children should not be brought up with fear of anything. They need to know that, that you're loved and the universe is filled with love and I'm going to take care of you and I'm not going to let bad things happen to you. Not, oh, my God, you need to fear this thing or you're, you know, going to be in fiery pits of hell. Don't tell that to a child. I don't think that's good for kids. And the problem is oh, when we raise children with fear, we, we end up then really creating a lot of problems for that child. Children that grow up with fear and blame and shame, no child should grow up with those things. Ever, 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 ever. I had to laugh because you said your family is quite a mixed bag. I'm married to a Buddhist, so I get you 100%. I get your entire family 100%. I mean, it makes you sense You're the Buddhist, I'm the Taoist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. But my husband is, is wonderful like yours. My husband is extraordinar- extraordinarily supportive. And, you know, he does honor my gods because... They're, they're the predominant gods of the house because our son also leans uh, pagan. He leans pagan. I can't call him a witch because until he decides that he is, I'm not going to put that on him. But he is a spiritualist. 
And, you know, my son does a lot of healing energy work, and he's actually quite talented, although he'll tell you he's not. Mm. A lot like your kids. It's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? Our kids are so self-deprecating sometimes. You know, but it's that humility that I love about them because we raise them with humility and respect for others because others are not going to be like you all the time, nor should they be. Absolutely. And, you know, I I just think it's so important as a parent. I mean, I take parenting very seriously, and we just got to let them be who they got to be. I've got a new grandbaby. Grandbaby's going to be a year old in just a couple of days. Thank you. It's the first and maybe only. And, you know, we have no idea. What is this little little person going to become? Who will they become? What will they believe? And now here we are, and we get the excitement of watching that. There's just something wonderful about watching the magic unfold when you yeah. allow children to be themselves. Yeah. I could have been a better parent, I will admit. And I, because I've said this to my kids, but there's no shame in my game. I, I was far from perfect, and there were a lot of moments I was far from good. Um, you know, I, I had a horrible time with their biological father, um, it stressed me. I, in turn, put stress on them. Um, I have apologized repeatedly because I want them to understand I'm not 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I am not brilliant. I am not the be-all and end-all. Like I was taught to believe that my father was the be-all and end-all and the absolute ruler of the castle and whatever he said went. And I wanted my children to understand that I was nothing more than human and that I was making mistakes, and that sometimes um, I had to apologize because I, I fucked up, you know? Don't be afraid to be a human to your children. I have to encourage that you is, about that as well. That is actually such an important lesson because I also was not a perfect parent, and my bio- the biological father of my children was very challenging to deal with, and he was a very complex, complicated man, and we both did plenty of stupid things. But, you know, I am so fortunate. My kids and I were just so close. And, you know, I've also apologized for some of the stupid stuff I did. But you want to hear the funny thing is? They look back on some of that crap that I did, and they laugh about it. They're like, yeah, I remember the time you did this. And I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell was I thinking? They look at it more like, I mean, we think our kids are going to look at this the dumb stuff that we do and think, oh, how awful. No, they're more like, this is a story. And they're sharing my story in the most ridiculous ways that I said, oh, my God, at my funeral, please do not be telling all these stories. And they're like, oh, God, no, we're going to be telling these ones. I'm like, oh, my God. So we all have kind of a wicked sense of humor. So who knows how they're going to play those stories out for their kids. Oh, well, I mean, I've got one that's so embarrassing. I'll tell you really quickly. Um, I, My husband and I were having a discussion in the car. We were on our way somewhere, and we were arguing over the term bukkake because we thought it meant two different things. And I actually called my elder teenager child uh, while he was at work, and I said, Dad and I are having an argument. You've got to solve this problem. And he's like, what? And I said, what does Bukaki mean? And you could hear the phone drop and then peals of laughter. And I know when I die, yes, I do know what it means now. Thank you so much. Um, but when I <laughs> yeah, die, I know, <laughs> I know 
I'm telling you, when I die, that is probably going to be the first story they tell. But you know what? I just told it on the air, so ha ha, beat you to it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. But you know, I, I got to get back to. I I could talk to you about everything. I feel like I could just be here for like. Oh my hours. god, this has been so much we, fun. We could, I know we could have just like a chat fest, but I do want to talk about the book. Holy shit. You're going to have to come back on, Teresa. I'm really sorry. Um, yeah, because our time is, like, almost up, and I didn't get half the places I wanted to get to. But I wanted to talk to you specifically about the grief part of this book and dealing with grief. This meant so much to me. You actually go over the things that are appropriate to say and maybe the things that aren't mm-hmm. so appropriate to say. And I thought that was so brilliant because a lot of the time when you have a friend uh, who is going through a loss like that, everything seems kind of ho- like all the offerings of help seem kind of hollow. Like you know people are well-intentioned, but the really hard stuff, a lot of folks just don't know what to do. And I found your insights so Brilliant. And I've got to ask you, is this stuff you had gone through firsthand and that's why you wanted to write this book? Well, yes, but also what I've gone through with clients over the years because, you know, one of the things, I mean, I've gone through all kinds of things, illness, caregiving, all of that, lots and lots of death in the family. Um, So this is something I, whether I like it or not, I've become very familiar with these topics. But also at the tarot table, I think there's a misconception that people come just to talk about their love lives. And Raina, I've had so many people over the years that wanted to talk about loss and grief. People would come when they were going through really hard, heavy things. This was their safe space. And I thought, you know, every tarot book that's out there is always about, you know, love and these these things that, yeah, they're part of life, but there's really nothing about grief, nothing about the heavy stuff. And so I ended up, you know, pestering my publisher and I said, listen, I want to put together all of these different readings and advice for whether you're a, a person who wants to work with tarot to heal or whether you're somebody who is dealing with the public and reading on these topics because there's nothing like that. And it needs to be out there because, number one, tarot can be a wonderful ally when you're going through something. But also, if you are a reader, you need to know how to talk about these tender topics with your clients so you don't cause harm. So that's yeah. why I wanted to write that oh, book. So true and so important. And I'm so grateful because, it. I mean, this book happened in my life really when my aunt died, it was absolutely horrible. And then mm. the book came out, and I got my copy. And I was just like, did she know that I needed this? What happened? How did this come about? <laughs> you know, you've been working for quite a while. I'm like, did she know I was yep. going to go through all this shit with my family? And, you know, it continues, it continues to help me because, again, I'm navigating the situation, you know, with actually digging into my past, my my family's past and finding people, um, you know, that I'm related to, uh, all these secrets that have been, you know, so many things that have been kept from me as a child. 
uh, and as an adult, and we had relatives that did take things to their grave, things that were important to me. Um, but paperwork was found after the fact. And, you know, I had some harsh things inside me when I found out some of the information that I've since found out since my aunt passed away. And your mm-hmm. book has really helped me to put, the, put these things in perspective um, because, again, I had a lot of anger about it. It's like, how could you betray me? How could you lie to me? You know, I thought you cared about me. You didn't tell me the truth, blah, blah, blah. And, and I've really come, I think, a long way in healing because of the wisdom in this book. So I wanted to thank you for that. Well, thank you. That means the world. Uh, my goal always in all the work that I do and everything that I do is I want to help people. And I think most of us who get into tarot, um, you know, that's what that's what we're here to do. We're here to help. And I'm just really super grateful that my publisher, Wiser, allowed me to put the book out there. And I just hope it continues to inspire and help people uh, like yourself. So that means the world to me. That's what I'm here to do. Well, you're writing, and your writing means the world to me. I've got to know, what do you have coming up next? Well, right now, I I don't have any major books on the horizon yet. I'm taking a little break from writing because I did like, I did like nine or ten books in like uh, seven or eight years. So I'm like, you know, let's take uh-huh. a year to like get your brain in order. And I'm doing some writing now yeah. for the Old Farmer's Almanac, which I really love. I got a project with oh. Carrie Paris I'm working on, and I love Carrie Paris. So I got lots of little things, but I'm I'm brewing a book. I just don't know what it's going to be yet. So we'll see. Oh my God! All right, you said something that I don't know if everybody knows about, but the Old Farmer's Almanac. Now I'm a city kid on top of everything else, but every year mm-hmm. when I was when I was a kid. I would get a copy of the Old Farmer's Almanac, and I would sit there, and I would just read these interesting tidbits of information about planting and harvesting and these little crazy stories and these little wives' tales about things. And I just, it was always, I mean, does it, do they still make it? Because I, I haven't seen one probably in 35, 40 years. Oh, yes, they are still around, and I love the, our Farmer's Almanac. I mean, I grew up with farm folks, so when the Farmer's Almanac oh. reached out to me to write for them, I'm like, oh, my God, of course. I grew up with farm folks. I mean, we always had an almanac laying around, always. So cool. this, uh, it, it was kind of like a full circle moment for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so awesome because, you know, at 28, I left New York, and I moved in with my mentor and his wife. And it was a farm, and you had to know. I mean, I was taught how to do certain things on the farm, and the almanac was so important. I mean, it's it's just crazy. I that was that's a blast from the past when you said that. I'm like, oh my god, she knows what that is. <laughs> I thought it was gone. Oh yeah. Wow. We no, we oh, always wow. had an almanac laying around. My uncle. You know, we'd go to the visit huh? my uncle at the farm, and um, they had the stack of True Detective magazines, and they always had an almanac in there. Always had an True almanac. Detective. And I was fascinated with them. Stop it. Yes. Oh, my God, girl. Stop. 
Oh, my, we need another hour. I'm not even, holy shit, I have talked your ear off. I'm really sorry. Um, this oh, my God, this is so much fun. Hour. Oh, my gosh, you're so fun to talk to. I love this. So before we go, please tell people, if you want to be found, how they can find you and where to get your books. And are you doing any classes? Um, give me some information that will make people smile. All right. Well, um, they can get my books anywhere books are sold, online or off. And I always want to encourage people to order from your local indie bookshops and also to let your library mm-hmm. know that you'd like them to carry them. Because if you are somebody who is maybe um, doesn't have a lot of cash and you want the book, libraries will carry books if you ask them. So please make sure you yeah. do that. And you can find me at thetarolady.com. That's where you can find out everything about me. I'm on social media, mm-hmm. mostly on Instagram and Facebook and threads, and my handle is the Tarot Lady. And I, am, I teach over on Patreon. I do all my regular teaching okay. there. So if you go to Patreon, you want to look for the Tarot Lady. And I also have an advanced tarot techniques class coming out with Insights Events USA next year, next April. And you can learn more about that. Go on my website, thetarolady.com. Click on classes, and you'll find information about everything I'm going to be teaching, including Patreon and any other cool workshops I might be doing online or off. So that's the best place to find out everything about me. That's what, Teresa, I can't thank you enough. The book is The Cards You're Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real. I highly recommend. You don't have to be a witch for this book, obviously. Quite honestly, you don't even have to be a tarot reader, although it's geared towards tarot readers. It's just such really kind, good, smart, wise information about handling situations. Um, and, and I just appreciate it so much because of the, you know, the time my family has been going through. Teresa Reed, you are phenomenal. I hope you will come back on and spend some more time with me in the near future. I would love that. Anytime, Rena. This has been a total blast. I'm so glad. All right, my friend. I will hit you up shortly, and thank you again. Have a most wonderful holiday, and enjoy your family. All right, guys. That's it for today. I will be back on the 28th. With Storm Sestivani, we're going to do our year-end wrap-up and look at what's happening astrologically for 2024. I fucking hope he has good news because, quite frankly, I can't take another Trump presidency. Anyway, I love you guys. Have a blessed Yule or whatever holidays you're celebrating. Can't wait to see you all in a couple of weeks. Have a good one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.